0: You welcome to the teaching ministry of Nelson Ihabi. Be stirred as you listen. We've been having Living by Revelation since the beginning of the month, I believe, and it's been amazing, really. It's the, some of the messages have really even blessed me myself. I had who taught them. The messages have really blessed me because the truth is, we can never outgrow these truths of the word of God. These truths of the word of God are things that have made us who we are in Him. Amen. These truths of the word are the things that have made us who we are in Him. So we can never outgrow these truths of God's word. Hallelujah. I say again, we can never outgrow these truths of God's word. When, God words, when God's word speaks, especially relating to the man in Christ, these things are eternal. These things are not subject to time. These things are not subject to trends. These things are not subject to any change. These things are only subject to who... To These things are as important as he that said it. Now, let me explain this better. You see... The words of a man are as powerful as the man. The words of a man are as powerful as the man. So if the Lord says, if, 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 if um, someone you really respect says, stand up. You stand up because of the words that he spoke right or if or if someone comes to tell you and says this person is calling you i mean a couple of us know maybe we were afraid we we're more afraid of our, excuse me we we're more afraid of our moms than we were of our dads so um or we are more afraid of our dads than we were of our mom just let me know who were you more afraid of who was the terrorist in court of the house okay we we're more afraid of one person and then, you know, when your younger one comes and tells you, this person is calling you, you can maybe dilly-dally a little bit on the bed, you could roll, you could just dance on the bed, you know. Maybe if you are more scared of mommy, when daddy's is calling you, you just roll on the bed a little. Or if he's the one that shouts, you say, I'm coming. And you take your time. And then you walk and you say, "Sir, you called me. You know, with all honour, but when is your mom that is that you are that you are terrified of? That is the in quotes terrorist of the house. When she calls your name, you jump up as if the Lord is blowing a trumpet, and you just go straight. You say, you say, ma ma, you called me. Even if you're on the phone and there's a way they will call you, you say, let me call you back. Okay, that's what I mean by that's what I mean by um uh what's the word now? That the words of a man are more powerful, the words of a man are as powerful as the man. So, also, everything that flows from God oh, hallelujah! This is even blessing me already. Everything that flows from God is as eternal as He is. Do you understand me? Everything that flows from God is as it ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's beautiful truth, right there. Everything that flows from God is as eternal as he is. Anything that flows from God is as eternal as he is. His spirit, the gifts, the calling of God, they are as eternal as God. Okay? They are as eternal as God. So, if the God is places the grace, his hand upon a man, his hand upon that man is as... Is not upon the man in a bit. Is upon the man in his ability. The hand of God upon a man, or the call of the grace of God upon a man, is on that man in God's capacity and ability. Okay, that is why um, man of God I honor. You hear Bishop David Oyedepo says God does not speak according to our capacity. He speaks according to His capacity. So. That is why, when the Bible speaks of us, the Bible does not tell us things like "will be for." The Bible does not say "will be forgiven." When He's speaking of a new creation reality, He's saying, "You, you know," John says, "I write to you, little Trump, because your sins are forgiven. Your sins past, your sins present, your sins future. Because the truth is, everything God has to offer, since God is outside time." God does not offer it in your capacity. He offered it in his capacity. Are you with me? God offered everything, even your salvation, even though even the the assurance of it. He didn't offer it in your capacity. He offered it in his capacity. That is why Um, everything that God does, he does it from his standpoint. God cannot reduce his abilities and his capacities to do things to our standpoint. He will only do it on his terms and on his standpoint. Praise the living Jesus. Praise the living Jesus. So also, the word of God, when we look at the word of God, the word of God is not being spoken to us in our own capacity, in our own limitations, They are spoken on his capacity, on his ability, on his infiniteness. Praise the Lord. That is why when the word of God is speaking about the ability to heal the sick, it does not speak about, I mean, can I tell you something? The power of God does not know the difference between Qatar and cancer. The power of God does not know the difference between malaria and meningitis. <laughs> can I preach right here? <laughs> the word of God does not know the difference between headache and hymne. Can you can you see the rhyme I'm doing right now? You should be dropping money at my feet. I'm joking, I'm joking. So, the word of God does not know the difference between both. The word of God, that is why with, the Bible says with God, Luke 1, nothing shall be impossible with men, men are finite, men are defined within time, men have limitations, but with God hallelujah, with God nothing shall be impossible, you know I heard my pastor, spiritual father, he said this, he said in the realm of the spirit, impossibility is a joke is a joke there is nothing in the realm of the spirit such as impossible are you with me because everything that man sees as possibilities they were they were beckoned from that realm. They were ah, this is the kind of teaching you do, you start with when you want to talk about spirituals, but anyways, they were beckoned from that realm, so also. The word of God, the wisdom of God, the speakings of God, these things are as eternal as him. Everything that flows from God shares his characteristics. Hallelujah. And that is why when you see the word of God, you you are not seeing your capacity. You are seeing how he sees you. When God looks at you from eternity, He's not exactly seeing your limitations. What's your limitation? Can I tell you this? Your limitations do not limit God's ability. Your limitations limit you to walk in that ability. Mm. Can you snap your fingers? Rather, right your limitations do not limit God's capability. Your limitations limit limit God. Your limitation does not limit God's ability to do. Your limitations limit you in walking in that ability. Praise the Lord. So, you see, and that is why the Bible lets us know things like, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So, whenever you then, you know, maybe you fall to something. And the Bible lets us understand in John, it says that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart which condemns you. Alright? So, when a lot of people, when your heart condemns you and condemnation latches onto you, you begin to now think to yourself, ah, this is what I have done. And you are being robbed. Satan is lying to you of, of your righteous state. Okay? He's lying to you of your righteous state. However, when God is looking at you, he's not looking at you from the point of those weaknesses, from the point of those failings, from the point of those fallings. When he sees you, he sees his righteousness. It is man's partnering with God. And when he says man partnering with God, it is not exactly that God is just doing it. Listen, God has done it. He has given you the spirit within. Everything man needs to walk in, the God's stead has been given to man. Are you with me? Everything man needs to walk in the God's stead has been given to man. Why do we pray? Those are disciples have heard me say this that um, there is no spiritual exercise that changes God. Every spiritual exercise changes you. The truth is God is perfect. Of the truth when they say you are perfect in all of your ways. He is. He is perfectly good. Perfectly just. Perfectly mighty, perfectly merciful, perfectly gracious, all knowing. He is perfect. There is nothing in him that is imperfect. There is nothing in him that you know this statement. This life no balance. He's not in God. Hey, my eternal life balance. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know. I'm very, very happy with this evening but there is nothing in God that does not balance, he is all good everything, all the characteristics of his nature, when they meet together, they are at par hallelujah when they meet together they are at par, oh Masha Melika Brunde, Kevia, Katani, Zosia, Kaba, Hallelujah. When they meet together, they are at power. So when God looks at you, He's not looking, when you are praying, what you are doing is you are expanding or you are allowing the influence of the Spirit into your life. When you study the Word of God, you are seeing who you really are. And in seeing those things, you are opening your mind to the possibilities of accepting that reality in yourself. That is what we do when we pray. That is what we do when we study. That is what we do when we fast. That is what we do when we do all these things. Even when we pray for others, what we do is we allow the power of God to have its cause on the earth. Praise Jesus. All these things are the things that happen when we walk in what God has made available. Praise Jesus. So even when we pray, even when we study, even when we open our mind, even when we attend teaching meetings, when we listen, what is happening is your mind is being open to these possibilities. Your mind is seeing what has been said about you. Remember, I started this teaching by saying that the word of God is a mirror. When you look at the mirror of the word of God, you are really seeing yourself. If you look at yourself from eternity, from, from, um, this, from this standpoint of the earth, what you are seeing is your limitations. What you are, what alone you will see are your weaknesses. The only things you will see are the things that make you small. But when you look at yourself from eternity, you will look at yourself as strong as you are. You will look at yourself as righteous as you are. You will look at yourself as holy as you are. You will look at yourself as the one that Jesus died for. If you look at yourself in the light of eternity, you see, a lot of, let me, let me say this quickly. Before you knew you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you actually were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's just that those times, when before you knew about assurance of salvation, you did, your salvation was already secure. The only thing your knowledge helped you do, was your knowledge helped you walk in the peace of it. See, I will never see a demon spirit I will never see a demon spirit That will make me think that ah, I cannot cast this devil out now Because I have not prayed enough It is not possible Me casting out a devil is not subject to How much I have prayed or not I am not praying because I want to cast you out we are, This is not a tussle. This is not a battle You are, be- you are beneath me There will never be a point in my mind where I will say, ah, my prayers were not answered. It is not true. Every time I stand before God, I have his audience. He always hears me. Even if I'm praying under my breath, he always hears me. Every time I lift up my voice and I say, Jesus, the gospel is spreading across the nations. My prayers are heard. If it's not that a missionary is strengthened, it is that the heart of someone is open. If it's not that the heart of someone is open, it's that the means to reach the gospel has opened up somewhere. My prayers are always answered. And I don't necessarily know this fact because of the things I see around me. It is a conviction that has been built in my heart. And how did I get to that point? By the word. You see, when we look at ourselves from the word, what we are doing is we are looking at ourselves From the standpoint of eternity You are not looking at yourself from the standpoint Of your limitations or your weaknesses You are looking at yourself from the, from the Lens of eternity You are seeing yourself the way God Sees you. If you see yourself From the limitations of the flesh You are going to see Your weaknesses, your frailties And your failings That is all you are going to see That is all you are going to see When you see yourself from the standpoint of the flesh, all you are going to see are your limitations, your frailties and your... You see, when a lot of people come to me and they tell me things like, you know, they are struggling with the habit, they are struggling with a weakness, they are struggling with this thing, I just tell them, in fact, I remove my attention from those things and I remove their attention and I say, you know what, if you are struggling with the habit and all those things, what you need is not to stop it. What you need is to pray. Pray and study the word. If you do that religiously, for him, you will look for the habit, you will not find it. You will look for the habit, you will not find it. You will look for it, you will not find it. If you stay in prayer, if you stay in the word of God, the weaknesses in your life will give way. Listen, I tell you, a man of prayer, a man of the word, he is never in error for too long. He is never in error for too long because the word of God will find that place in your life and deal with it. And truthfully, that is not who you are because from eternity, when you look at yourself from eternity, those weaknesses are not there. That is why you cannot de- you cannot define yourself by your frailties and your feelings. You cannot also define other believers by their frailties and their feelings. You only define yourself by the standards and the standings of the word of God. And when you look at yourself from that lens, you see that ah, ah, who I am is not who, is not who I see. I am preaching good, my God. Who I am is not whom I sin. Men may know me after the flesh. But this flesh is not who, who is not. The weaknesses and the limitations of this flesh is not really who I am. It's not really who I am. You see, the, the, the speaking of Jesus. Speaking of Jesus. They spoke about Jesus and they said. They said, um, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you are John some say you are Elijah came, come again, some say you are this some say, and Jesus spoke and Peter revealed by God he said you are the Christ the son of the living God child of God, remember you are a son in this, just like Jesus if you are going to see the revelation of who you are, you are not going to see it by what men say you are going to see it by what the word of God says, who is God saying you are what does the word of God say you are? What does the word of God say about you? What does the word of God say about you? You see, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who who um, think that the things that are clearly stated in the word of God are not deep enough. And in their in their seeking of depth, they go into error, missing out on who God said they are they miss out on who God says they are and because they miss out on those simple truths because they miss out on those simple truths they step into error and they they, they think that they have arrived but in actuality they are a shadow of themselves they are a shadow of who they are supposed to be I tell you something uh, when you study the word of God You keep studying and you keep seeing how Jesus lived. You keep seeing how the apostles lived. You keep seeing what the word of God says about you. You will understand that truly it does not matter how grown you are. You are are still truly a shadow of yourself. What you can do in the flesh is not compared to who you are and what you can do by the spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah 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 so child of God let me say this again you are born of God your realities find expression in what he has said not in what situations and circumstances are saying you know pastor Aaron, pastor he says something he says it is your job to keep yourself inspired every day he said have something to inspire you. Always, always have something that inspires your heart. Have you studied the word and then the scripture latches to your heart and for days, for weeks you couldn't shake it off. It just stayed on your heart. Even in the place of prayer, you kept speaking it over yourself. You kept speaking it over yourself. You kept speaking it over yourself. When guilt comes you say, hey, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin has no dominion over me. Yes, I I slipped. I made a mistake but where I am now is not anywhere guilt can reach. I'm in Christ. In Christ there is no condemnation. In Christ there is no condemnation. Anytime greed wants to grip your heart. Anytime you see that the word of God is not really having a a latch on your soul. You say this is who I am. I'm humble. With meekness I receive the engrafted word. I receive the word of God that is able to build me up. The word that has given me an inheritance I receive that word I am built by this same word learn to speak the kato learn to speak the word of God to yourself learn it don't just leave your heart to chance don't leave your heart to chance speak the word to yourself can I say it again don't leave your heart to chance if your life goes on autopilot this world will dictate the course of your life If your life goes on autopilot, this world will dictate the course of your life. Don't live your life on autopilot. Guard your heart with all diligence. Speak the word of God to yourself. This is who I am. Speak it to yourself. Even if I'm dumb, even if this is all I'm preaching, I think I've preached good for tonight. Okay? But tonight, I want to share something really quickly. I titled, The Day I Died. The Day I Died. Child of God, you died. Somebody said, it's not my portion in Jesus' name. Calm down. Child of God, you died. But your death was not in anything. Your death was in Him. Hallelujah. Your death was in Him. Let us look at the Word of God a little bit. You know, tonight, I've been talking on Living by Revelation. And I really want to... This is where how I want to end the topic What are the implications of the death The burial and the resurrection of Christ Jesus And that is what I want to talk about tonight What are the implications of the death The burial and the resurrection of Christ Jesus These are the things I want to talk about tonight Okay Turn your Bible with me to Romans chapter 6 First of all I want to answer the question Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Praise God. Eba shaka da dio koshe. Pondre gave a digae. Sudele de bocotele badaha. Kondre gave a de lebedi. Suga de li botondre gave a Proverbs chapter and Romans chapter 6. Are you there? Verse 23. Look at this. This is Jesus being, Jesus' um, truth being spoken. He said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you have followed this series, I've been talking about the gospel in bits and pieces, so I will not hammer on it again. But I keep saying this. If there is any Bible teaching that is given to you that cannot be linked back to the gospel, is false. Or to the nature of God as shown in the gospel, is false. For the wages of sin is death. The logic, the entire logic of the Bible was the gospel. Jesus was the Logos. The entire logic of the Bible was the gospel. So, if you cannot link it back to the gospel, it's wrong. It's false. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man see, man sinned. Man was deserving of that death. But then Jesus died that death. Let's read on Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. There was the day you died. He says, "For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly." Now this exp- this um, 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 explains a little bit on Romans chapter six. But let's read on. He says, "For scarcely for a righteous man will one die; yes, paraventure for a good man some will even dare to die." He says, "But God." Commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Look at verse nine. Much more then, be now justified. Look, when you stand before God, you stand before God as a just man, child of God. You are justified. You don't stand before God as the ungodly. You stand before God as the opposite, as a just man. This is what his death means for you. If in his death you were, he died for your sins. He paid the price for sin. He says much more then be now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. I'm going to explain that maybe in some other series. He says but scarcely for a righteous man we won't die. Yet by adventure for a good man some will even dare to die. He says but God expressed his love towards us. In the world we have yet seen as he died. The cross is the expression of the love of Jesus, of the Father. And in the cross we see our death. In his death, we see our death. When he died, as a sacrifice for sin. We don't just cry and say, Oh, he was a hero, he was a good man. When we see him on the cross, we don't cry as, Hey, my Messiah is on the cross. No, we give God praise. Because in his death, raised on the cross, we see our sin that is stayed on that cross. Praise God. In him being on the cross, my sin is also on that cross. In him crucified, my sin was crucified. Hallelujah. In him crucified, my sin was crucified. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Look at this. Romans 5, 6 to 7. Now Romans 4, 25. Let's read from verse 24 now. It says, but for us also... To whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now he's saying that righteousness will be imputed to us if we believe on Jesus that was raised from the dead. Look at verse 25. He says, now speaking of Jesus, he says who was delivered for our offenses (coughs) and was raised again for our justification. Jesus was delivered for your sin." But in his resurrection Your justification was taken into account Child of God you need to know this In his resurrection Your justification was taken into account Remember what I said about looking at yourself Through eternity When you see a believer walking in guilt You see a believer walking in condemnation You see a believer walking in all these things When that believer looks at himself From the lens of eternity Himself will, He will laugh at himself because if he looks at himself from eternity, all those guilt, he's not going to be seeing it. What is going to be seen is the righteousness who he is. What is going to be seen is the is the is the is the justification that the resurrection of Christ bought for him. Do you see this? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus die? He died because he had to. He died for your sin, child of God. Look at twenty-five. He says he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The resurrection of Jesus he speaks of your justice. In his resurrection you are justified. You know someone said justification means just as if it never happened. You stand before him blameless just as if you did not sin. As if you had never sinned. So the death of Christ pays for sin from eternity past into eternity future. It goes into your breath and it wipes away sin that has been in your life. Or sin that can stand before you. Amen. Child of God, you are justified. Say, I am justified. Hallelujah. You are justified. First Corinthians 15 speaks of the gospel now. From verse 3. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all, that which I also received. This is what Paul said. He said how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Why did Christ die? Child of God, it was for your sin. So he died because he had to. He died because he had to die. And in that death, your sin was taken into account. Now, what does his death mean for us? What does his death mean for us? Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 from verse 6. Are you there? Are you there? He says, He says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed henceforth we do not serve sin. he says for he that is dead is freed from sin. Do you see this every time the bible every time the Bible speaks of the death of the believer usually in terms of revelation, he talked of how the believer is dead to sin go to verse. 10. Let me, let me, let's go for that. He says, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. 11. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead Indeed, unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he goes on to say, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should ob- obey, in, ob- obey it in the lust thereof. He says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God, as those that are alive from as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Look at verse 14. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, you are under grace. Do you see this? Paul said this with so much certainty. He said, sin shall not have dominion. It was not sin may sometimes, may, it may not sometimes, if you pray enough. it. will mm. He said, sin shall not ha-ya-ya. The, the apostles spoke with so much certainty because they knew whom they had believed. He said, He shall not have dominion over you. He says, for you are not under the law. You are under grace. You are under grace. Look at this verse 15. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not yet under the law, but under grace? God forbid. We know that to whom ye yield yourself. Ah, this is a long read. But everything that Paul is saying here is, can be summarized in one thing. Okay? It can be summarized in one thing. And this is actually the very important part. This is where revelation comes in for the child of God. Listen, follow me closely now. This is where revelation comes in for the child of God. It is verse 11. Do you see this? Paul started in verse 6. He says, knowing this, knowing this, the word knowing this in that verse it is ginosko. it means learn it come to understand become acquainted with it, in fact it paints a picture of a man and a woman having sexual intercourse you know when the bible says the man knew his wife, it means come to knowledge, come to intimacy with this fact that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, listen When Jesus died, you died to the lusts of the flesh. Child of God, I say that one more time. When Jesus died, you died to the lusts of the flesh. The believer, if if the believer who is wallowing in sin has the ability to live above sin. Yes, the believer who is wallowing in sin should understand something that Paul said, that you have dominion over sin. Listen, child of God, the believer has been called to a high moral standard. Let me say that one more time. The believer has been called to a high moral standard. And the truth is this. We have to live up to it. We do. Because of the truth we will give account of all we have done in the flesh. We are called to a high moral standard. But the beautiful thing is this. That we have have grace. For that, because he died, he died our death. We are dead to sin. Now, when I say we will give account, I don't mean it is on this basis that we will receive eternal and um, our salvation that's heaven or hell. No, 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 that is based on the work on the finished works of Christ, not on what you have done. But because he died to sin, child of God, listen, let me say this again because Jesus died to sin, sin is dead in your life. Can you say that to yourself? Because he died to sin, sin is dead in my life. Woo! Glory to God. Because he died to sin, sin is dead to my life. He dead in my life. I heard the man of God say something. He said, you can live in this world and not be subject to the spirit of this age. He said you can live in this world and not be subject to the spirit of this age. Why? Because we are not just walking and gallivanting up and down. No, 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 no. We are walking as people who are dead. So when the lust of this flesh is ravaging men all over the earth, we are men who are dead. Dead men don't have appetites for things. We are dead in him. The flesh died in Christ. The flesh died. But look at what Paul said. Paul said, knowing in that verse, six, he says, knowing this, it means you need to come to the knowledge that this old man is crucified. That old man that craves the things of the flesh. That old man that only wanted the things that perish, that perish. That old man that only wanted the things that pass away. That old man that only wants those things. That old man is perished. That old man is perished. You need to come to that knowledge. That's what the Bible says. It says knowing this. Knowing this. That old man is dead. It says knowing this that our old man is crucified with him. And look at what Paul said again. Go down to verse 9. You see what he said again. He said knowing that Christ being raised from the dead. The word knowing means idol. The second knowing in verse 9. It means to make aware. But Christ being raised from the dead, he died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. He goes on to 11. He now said, verse 10 rather, he said, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11. He now says, likewise, reckon ye. The word reckon means to add it to your account. Eh? Two is an accounting term. Logi, logizomai. It means add it to your account. Become aware of it on the inside. Or better still, take inventory of it. Take inventory of it. It's an accounting term. Take inventory of it that you also, you are dead. Indeed, you are dead to sin. But you are alive to God child of God, in the death of Jesus, your death to sin was was implicated. That's the word. In, 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 In the death of Jesus, your death to sin was an implication. Hallelujah. Your death to sin was an implication. It was an implication. It was an implication. Glory to God. He, was, he says, Recon, Recon. Take inventory of this. And this is the very important part believers need to know. We don't just need to know that, oh, Jesus died. He died for my sin. We need to reckon. We need to add it to our account that, of oh, the truth, he died. So we will add it to our account and we will recon it. You keep saying, that's what it means to add it to your account. You keep saying it. You, you inspire your heart with those words that he, in his death, I died. Dead men don't have some kind of appetites. Dead men don't have it. I died in him. I died in him. Therefore, I do not live according to the lusts of this world. I die. I live after another set of rules. Am I communicating people? I live after another set of rules. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Go to Romans. Our time is already gone. My God, Romans chapter ten. Okay, no, I've I've, I've read this, rather. Sorry, not Romans chapter ten. I think I made a mistake. Um, still on Romans chapter. We're still on Romans chapter six. Now, look at verse. Look at verse thirteen. It says. Neither yield you do your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin But yield yourself unto God As those that are alive from the dead And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God Why does he say you should yield? Because you can Paul cannot tell the unbeliever to yield Because the unbeliever is under the spirit of this age So it does not matter how he tries He cannot yield Do get this He cannot yield the only reason they, the only reason he can tell a believer to yield is because the believer can praise jesus the only reason he can tell a believer to yield is because the believer can he i say it again paul cannot tell the believer and uh, paul cannot tell the believer to yield because the believer can't the believer can but he cannot tell the unbeliever to yield because the unbeliever can't the unbeliever is under the spirit of the age but the child of God is dead so he can yield himself to the he can yield himself to that to the spirit and live after the spirit let me say this one more time child of God listen carefully please the, unbelie- the believer can be dead and live as if he's still alive to the world. The believer can be dead and live as if he's still alive to the world. But child of God, you have been called higher. You have died to the, to the lust that is in the world. So that's why Paul said yield. The believer is not struggling. All the believer is doing is yielding. It's just like what a current is flowing and all you need to do is give yourself to the current. Okay? Give yourself to the current. Glide on the winds. Praise Jesus? Praise Jesus? Look at verse 18. He said, being then made free from sin. Child of God, say I am free from sin. Say I am free from sin. He said, being then made free from sin, alright? He said, "Ye became the servants of righteousness. Hallelujah. He said, being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. It means that we are locked in a relationship with righteousness. We walk in it. We are not struggling or trying. We have yielded to it. We yield. We give ourselves to, go to that righteousness. We give ourselves to it he said "Being them made free from sin we are free from sin we are free, say I am free say I am free and this is where the devil deceives a lot of believers, you may have one character flaw you have been struggling with even the believer that's probably been struggling with an addiction and he starts, what the devil wants to do is to cage him in that addiction, cage him in that weakness cage him in that sin But what the believer, if the believer keeps on speaking who he is, if the believer keeps on speaking what has been given to him in Christ, the reality will break off those things. I told you, eternity is going to find those areas of your life and cut them into shape. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 12. It says that we are buried with him in baptism. It says, wherein also we are risen with him through the faith in the operation of God. It says, through faith in the operation of God. And it says, um, who had raised him from the dead. Look at verse 13 now, the implication of this. He says, And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Child of God, you were dead in your sin and uncircumcision, but you have been made alive. You have been made alive. Look at verse 13 now. He says, and verse 14, rather, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that were against you. That's the law. Because the law kept on speaking the weaknesses of men that were against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it on the cross. 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over it in it. Now you need to understand this that. One other thing the death of Jesus makes you understand, apart from uh, uh, free, apart from liberty from sin, not just his death now, the resurrection as well, one thing you need to understand is the fact that Jesus died and rose again, it means that you have authority over principalities and powers. These things are under your feet. He spoiled them. He destroyed their abilities. He spoiled them he exploited them he, he showed them free he showed them openly like a, like a triumphant um, general so that is what he, his implication for you is child of God if Jesus triumphed over principalities and powers in, the, in his going to the cross by implication your triumph over principalities and powers is not a, is not an ongoing battle it is sure it is sure it is sure hallelujah hallelujah praise God one thing I put here about the burial of Christ I said one thing his burial does is his burial attests to his death if it is a truth if it is true that he died if it is true that he died then he had to have been buried Okay? And then his burial attests to his death. First Corinthians 15. This, this is more of an apologetic thing now. First Corinthians 15. For those of you who don't know, I love apologetics. I love it. It says if now, if Christ be preached that he, ro- that he rose from the dead now sorry, let me say that again. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how says some of you that there is no resurrection from the dead? Okay? Oh, sorry, I'm reading something else. My bad, I'm so sorry. Um, Romans chapter 6 verse 4. That's where I was going rather. Romans 6 4. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the father even so we walk in the newness of life so one thing I read from this was his death attested his baptism burial attested to the fact that he died and one thing his death means for us is this his, his death signifies or we were baptized into his death the word baptism here basically means that we were included we were implicated into his death that like us, now see this, he says like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in the newness of life. So in the same way that he rose we walk in that newness. If he was buried it means that truly he died. Do you see that? If he was buried it means that truly he died. I don't really want to dwell so much on this our time is already fast spent. I want to wrap up on the resurrection now. Because the truth is, when you're speaking of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, it is difficult to separate all of them. Because you don't exact, in speaking about everything, in his DBR, things were achieved in the death, burial, and the resurrection for the child of God. And you cannot separate them. Clearly, better still. First Corinthians 15 now, where I was reading before. I was reading on the resurrection rather. What does the resurrection mean for you? What does the resurrection mean for you? Okay? Every time you see, let me just re- re- drop one more point. Every time you see the burial of Christ used, it attested and it was used in relation to his death. So it further attested the fact that he died. So he, as Jesus was buried child of God you were buried in him first, um, first Corinthians 15 12 look at this he says now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some of you that there is no resurrection from the dead look at this paul is saying why are some of you saying that nobody is going that um, there's no resurrection from the dead he said if Jesus rose you will you there is definitely is a resurrection Let's go on with the logic Paul was presenting. You see, when you read this, when Paul says, now, if, if Christ be preached that, that he rose, how can you say that there is no resurrection? What Paul is exactly trying to say here is, you need to understand, Paul is not preaching from the Torah. He's not preaching from the books of Moses. He's reasoning it out logically with them. You know, during evangelism, I, 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 I do this. I reason out the gospel with people just like Paul did. Paul is saying if you agree that Jesus rose, why are you saying that there is no resurrection? Why are you saying that there is no resurrection? He now goes on to say, now, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? He says, if Christ be not risen, then our faith, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Your faith is vain. Then Paul now goes on to speak, and he now says, If Christ did not rise, you are yet in your sin. If Christ, you remember, we read in Romans, he said that he died for our sin and rose for our justification. In his resurrection was your justification from sin sin. Praise the Lord. So we get to understand this his resurrection, my resurrection, my in his resurrection was my resurrection put into account. In that Jesus rose from the dead, child of God you will rise from the dead. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, you need to read it down. It says that at the trump of God, even those who died in Christ will rise first. Do you, know, do you understand what that means? It means that even a body that has decomposed, the body that has been cremated, the body that anything has happened, at the trump of God Bone will come to bone Sinew will come to sinew hey, hey, The man who had died A thousand years His glorified body will be assembled Do you see that? His glorified body will be put together Even if he has decomposed He will gather together That is a miracle Thinking about it He will gather together Child of God If it is true that Jesus rose from the dead You will rise from the dead If it is true that Jesus did not stay in the grave, when Jesus comes, you also will not stay in the grave. You will not stay in the grave. If that's, if you die before he's coming. When he comes, you will not, you will not stay in the grave. That's why, that's that, I love that song. It says we dance on an empty grave. Even when a believer dies, even when we pray, and we do this thing. You see, I always say something. We believe in God's healing. But can I tell you something greater than the healing? Something greater than a healing is that we will be with Jesus where there will be no sickness and there will be no pain. There will be no need for a healing at all. There will be no need for a healing at all. There will be no need for a healing at all. So also, even when we pray, 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 and a believer does not come back to life, I mean, it's enough to be discouraged, but there's something you remember. Why did the person not come up? I don't know. When we see Jesus, we are going to ask him, But if there is one thing we are going to understand is this, is that when Jesus comes, we will be with Jesus where the dead, the people who died in Christ, they will spend an eternity with him and they will be with him forever can I say it again, they will spend an eternity with him and they will be with him forever, there will, be no, there will be no fear of sickness anymore there will be no fear of pain, there will be no need to pray to raise the dead again because the dead will be, there will be no death with him there will be no death at Demoshia, the there will be no death that's why we don't mourn as if we have no hope the truth of the matter is child of God there is nothing in this world There is nothing in this world. We are going to live forever. If the believer dies today, his hope in Christ is sure. You need to know this, that your hope in Christ is sure child of God, if it is true that Jesus rose, you also you will rise. You need to say it with conviction. That if it is true that he rose, child of God, you also you will rise. If it is true that he rose, you also you will rise. There is nothing... See, you know, when I read about... I'm a student of revivals, I'm a student of his, of church history and things. When I read on on the death, when I read on the death... Of, of believers the martyrs that have gone in this kingdom and you see many of them dying with a smile on their face you see many of them in, in 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 the torture and the turmoil that they were going through you see that these guys stood with themselves these guys they will say things they will they will say things like they go to meet Jamaica do you know what it means that Stephen is being stoned and then he lifts up his eyes and he says he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, about to be killed. It means that he damned death. He damned death. He damned death. It means that he looked death in the face and said, if Jesus rose, I also will rise. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Praise God. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. Our time is fast spent First Thessalonians 4.14 look at this it says for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will, will God bring with him if we understand that Jesus died if we understand that Jesus um, um, died and rose even so also, those who died in Jesus they will rise again our hope is sure. You know, um, the unbeliever is afraid because he has one life to live. Well, truly, we have one life to live that's the physical material, but then we are going to live forever. When the believer closes his eyes in death, another life begins because he's gonna open he's gonna open another eyes to bliss, he's gonna be in glory. You know my pastor explained something that eternity is not exactly time. Eternity is not exactly exact eternity is not time. Eternity is a mo- is as moment in ecstasy. Is not time. You know those movies when you see that you are really. you know um I watch supernatural, you know, I or I, used, I watch supernatural and then you see those things where somebody is living his worst pain, you know, when you, maybe you see series, you see somebody is living his worst pain again and again and again and again and again. Do you, Have you? Can you relate? Have you seen those things in movies that the person is reliving his worst pain? So also, imagine being with Jesus. We're going to relieve bliss, and it's not any eternal bliss that the taste of food or your goosebumps and all those things. It's not that is that we are going to be in his own kind of bliss celebrating it forever and it will never get old. So many people might be thinking will heaven not be boring? No! It is not time because you are thinking of heaven in terms of time. Think of it in terms of eternity ecstasy with him. Hallelujah! 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 If there's one other thing you need to understand In Christ's death Burial and resurrection In Christ's death Burial and resurrection He is Lord over the living and the dead I'll say that one more time In his death, burial and resurrection He lets us understand that truly He is God over the living and the dead He is God over the living And the dead Romans chapter 14 verse 9 Let me just read this too quickly Romans chapter 14, verse 9. Romans chapter 14, verse 9. It says, For to this end Christ both died and rose, and revived that he might be both Lord of the living and the dead. Because everyone is going to truly stand before him, because whether we live or we die, we are supposed to live to him. He is Lord, so we will give accounts to him. So truly, he is Lord both of the living and the dead. Because he died and rose again, never to die again, being the pattern, son, he is Lord of the living and dead. Second Corinthians chapter 5. The difference between Jesus and every other person that died and rose again is that Jesus never died again. Lazarus died again. The widow of none, her son died again. Every other person, they died again. But Jesus, Jesus was not even prayed for. In fact, you can even say, Eli, um, you know, the man that that was laid on Elijah's body, he rose again. Well, true that. But can I say one more thing? It's not just those things. One other thing that really happened was this. Jesus was risen by the spirit of holiness. And it was in that single act, he was declared to be the son of God. You know, Romans 1-4. It is in that single act he was declared to be the son of God. Anyways, Second Corinthians 5.15 2 Corinthians 5.15 It says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not enter live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I'm sorry, I'm taking time. You just give me three more minutes. Child of God, if Jesus died for you, okay, if Jesus died for you, one thing you need to understand. Thank you, Jesus. One thing you need to understand is, is if Jesus died for you, okay? If Jesus died for you, you have an obligation to live for him. It's just the same way that if you were going to prison and somebody came and said, "You know what? I'm going to go to prison on this guy's behalf. Allow him go free." It will be foolishness and ungrateful, and ungratefulness for you to for you to, or you'll be very ungrateful rather, for you to excuse that um, tautology or false speaking. It will be very ungrateful of you to say that you are going to live how you like because someone went to prison for you so you have to live a life that will, that will that will not bring or that will not cause you to go down that path anymore have you not seen people who changed their lives because someone did an act of good for them that is just earthly good that is not eternal but we see what Jesus did for us from the light of eternity and in seeing what he has done ah I know that I cannot live my life the way I want to. I live not on my terms, but on His terms. I live by Him who has called me to honor and glory. I don't live by the fact of what I have, what stands or what defines me on this earth. I live by the standards of what eternity defines me by. Praise God. You are not going to live to yourself. You are going to live to Him. Let me ask you a question. When you pray, what occupies your prayer time? That's a very good way to start. And living for Jesus is intentional. I told you, you don't live your life on autopilot. You don't just pray when you feel. You don't just study when you feel. You don't just fast when you feel like. You don't just turn out to spiritual things when you feel like. You don't just tune into teachings when you feel like. You live your life intentionally. You live your life intentionally. Are you with me? You live your life intentionally child of God. Adabakuriata. You live your life intentionally. You don't just live how you like. We live for him who called us to honor and glory. The burnings of the heart of Jesus should be the burnings of your heart. The burnings of the heart of Jesus should be the burnings of your heart. When, Jesus see, when you see a soul that is not saved, that should be the burning of your heart. Because the Bible says, it is his will that all men be saved. So because he wants all men to be saved, and you, he died for you and you live for him, you, you burn for what he burns for. Your employer pays you salary, so you work for what he wants. Jesus gave you his life. You burn for what he wants. You burn for what he wants. You burn for what Jesus wants. You burn for what Jesus wants. When he sees a heart, when he sees a soul that is not saved, he burns in his heart. So also, child of God, when you see somebody that is not saved, he should prick you. You should want to communicate what Jesus has done. Because to be very honest, even Jesus now will not preach the gospel. He has committed it to men. Jesus now will not preach the gospel. He has handed it over to men. So the, the 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 what's the word I'm looking for now? The the course and the popularity of the gospel on the earth is determined by the actions of men. You know Paul was going to Damascus to kill more Christians. And you know what Paul um, Peter um what Jesus said. Jesus did not say, Paul, you are, you are going to kill Christians. He said, why are you persecuting me? It means that, see, and that's why you see Jesus say, whatever you do to the least of these ones, you do to me. He said, "On that day I will ask you, you saw me hungry and you fed me. You saw me um, um, hungry and you fed me. You saw me naked and you clothed me. And they will say, when did we do this? He said, in that you did it to the least of these ones, you have done it to me. Whatever you do to any member of the body of Christ, you are not doing it to that person. You are doing it to the Lord. You are not doing it to that person, you are doing it to the Lord. In Paul, persecuting and killing Christians. Paul was not killing Christians, it was touching Jesus. If you touch his body, you are touching him. You know, it's easy for us to say this only in the context of, of the power of God and all those things. But another context is this, in salvation. If you touch, and that is why a lot of believers don't yet understand what is called the unity of the faith. You know, it is it is in doctrine. It is in doctrine and all those things. But aside from that, there is a union that we have in Christ. We are bound by a family. You know, I was watching a a, a Christian denomination. They were singing songs and dancing. And I said, heaven is going to be a very interesting place because God has different kinds of children. Listen, don't think it's only those who know sound doctrine that are children of God. There are people who don't know it, but they are children of God. They, they may not be sure they are going to heaven, but you can tell them even if they don't know, they are, they are, their salvation is assured. It is. So when we get to heaven, God has orthodox children, God has redeemed children, winners children, um, MFM children, apostolic children, He has different kinds. Heaven will be a dramatic place. (laughs) Very dramatic. God has different kinds of children. And so also, we, 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 we speak for our own. Because if you touch a member of the body of Christ, you are touching his body. You are touching him. You are touching the rest of us. What burn, what Jesus burns for, is what you should burn for. I know everybody might be saying this, but maybe I should learn my own voice too. Have you prayed for what is happening in Southern Kaduna? Have you? Not just have you prayed. Listen, let me say it one more time again. Don't just say have you prayed. Do you have a prayer plan? You see, this week, I already have a prayer plan this week for what is going on in Southern Kaduna and how I'm going to pray. I've prayed and I'm still going to pray about it. I've prayed and I'm still going to pray about it. I'm going to do all those things for what is happening in in Southern Kaduna. Child of God. Child of God. Don't just don't see what is happening to your brothers in Christ and not feel it. He died for you. Live for him. Yes. He died for you. Live for him. The things that prick his heart are the things that are supposed to prick your heart. The things that he burns for are the things that you are supposed to burn for. Hallelujah. I think this would be a really good time to pray. In two minutes, let's just lift up our voice and pray. In the Holy Ghost. I died to sin. I died to sin. In your burial, I was buried. Your the burial attests to the fact that truly you died. And then I rose with you. I rose. I rose. I rose. I live for you, Jesus. In your resurrection, I will rise. Because you rose from the dead, them that die in you will rise again. When the believer passes, is not the end. is another glorious beginning. Hey, mi Those I have lost in you, the loved ones I have lost in you, when they die, and I have not lost them. There's just a break in our sin. We will see them again. Hallelujah. We will see them again. Hallelujah. In that you rose again, I no longer live for myself, I live for you. In that you rose, Jesus, I no longer live for myself, I live for you. In that you rose, Jesus, I no longer live for myself, I live for you. I burn for the things you burn for, I desire the things you desire, I yearn for the things you yearn for. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Blessed is your name, Mary God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let me just explain this one more time. What's what, what that you live for him means is this: you live for him means that whatever it is that he would have done if he were to be here are the things that you will do. Let me say one more time. Whatever it is that he would have done if you were to be here are the things that you will do. Let me say it again. Whatever it is that he would have done if you were to be here they are the things that you will do. Child of God they are the things that you will do. Whatever it is that you would have done if Jesus were to have been here they are the things that you will do. Because you live for him. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. Thank you, mighty God. Lord, we honor you. We give you praise. Blessed is your name. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' awesome name, we have prayed and the church says Amen. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more ministry content, visit niministries.org God bless you.